A couple of people said, hey, what's up with the turtleneck, Grothy? Uh, you look like Ron Burgundy. Someone told me I look like Ron Burgundy tonight. Appreciate that. Dad? No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't even know who Ron Burgundy is. Um, my wife and daughter are in a special event tonight, and so after we say amen at the end of the service, I'm going to go cheer them on, so I dressed up just a little bit, so there's that. Um, second thing, double dippers. Those of you who come on Fridays and Sundays, I'll be preaching this again slightly better on Sunday because I'm going to warm it up with you. Um, so Friday's always the guinea pig crowd, and Sunday's the, the better version, so uh, you're warned that I'm preaching this again. Third, the Pete Gregg from London, England will be here next Friday to preach. So it's going to be fantastic. Put it on your calendar. We booked Pete like half a year ago and we booked this sermon series like nine months ago and you won't believe what, what text will be in next week. We'll be in the Lord's Prayer next week. So Pete is a man that teaches on prayer. He's gonna lead us through a sermon on the Lord's Prayer. So join us and I'm just now seeing that Briggs and Lauren are here after getting married five days ago. Give it up, come on, stand up, Boyds. Five days ago they got married, yes. The next question is, what the heck are you doing here? Someone give them $1,000 to go somewhere, all right? We are thrilled to see the married couple in the house. We love you, we love you, we love you. We need children from you in about three years. Okay, let's pray. Some of you are like, wow, growthy's salty tonight. <laughs> yeah, you might as well be. Um, what I'm gonna do is I'll read you Matthew chapter six. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew six. I'll read you the first six verses. These are the words of Jesus as he's teaching in his Sermon on the Mount. So I'll read these, we'll pray, and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from Jesus. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street corners to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in what? Secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we need you to speak. Church, I had the sense during worship that we, we needed to press in, we needed to lean in, that the enemy would try to distract us and get us to mail it in tonight to kind of coast so would you just in your spirit lean forward tonight? Would you ask the Lord to speak to you? Would you ask the Lord to challenge you? Would you ask the Lord to wake you up with his word? Lord, we are listening to you. We have wasted a Friday night if we're just here to be a part of some Christian social club. We're, we're here because we believe God speaks. So God, speak to us, challenge us, chasten us, 
Encourage us, make us your people, we pray. Tonight, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have you ever gotten mixed signals from someone? I remember when Lisa and I just started talking. This is almost 20 years ago. And I, she just, wow, wow. She was coaching my little sister's volleyball team. Anna Joy Grothy had Lisa Wakely as her volleyball coach. And my mom came home from the first game and she said, have you seen Anna's new coach? She's standing in front of the door, the house. She shuts the door. Have you seen Anna's new coach? And I go, yes, ma'am. She goes, she just moved to town. You better snatch her up right away because she's going to be gone. And I said, yes, ma'am. So I started calling Lisa. And first weekend, it was a, uh, a Thursday night. We talked and we talked for two hours. We just, oh my gosh. Like it's, it's just, it's about to happen, right? We're going to get married. This is the first conversation we've ever had. Two hours. And, and the next night I called her. It was a Friday night and I had a, a gig. I was, I was playing drums that night at this local coffee shop that was quite a scene. And, and I called her at like 6.30 and the gig was at nine o'clock. You know, back then you did things at nine o'clock besides go to bed. And... <laughs> I called her at 6.30 and, and I said, hey, do you want to come to the gig? I'm playing tonight at Nordagio's. And she goes, no. I was like, oh, kind of felt good talking last night. I thought you, that was a yes. And she goes, I got my jammies on. No, I'm not getting out. And so it was like Thursday night. So you're telling me there's a chance. Friday night, no, I'm good. Have you ever gotten mixed signals from someone that felt like they were talking out of both sides of their mouths? Well, Jesus sometimes at face value, if you don't like drill down into his words and sort of spend your life meditating on these words, sometimes Jesus can sound like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, that he's sending these mixed signals, these parables and riddles, the the puzzles and strange stories that leave us scratching our heads. And if you've been tracking with this, series, you'll, you'll understand some of the, wait, Jesus, what are you trying to do here? Because in our text tonight, Jesus says, be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven and your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. We hear this tonight and we go, okay, Jesus, but A couple weeks ago, Jesus, when we were reading your words in Matthew chapter 5, you said, in the same way, let your light so shine before all people so that they may see your good deeds and end up praising your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 6, shut it down, go lock the door, don't let anyone see. Matthew 5, let your light so shine before all people that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father. What are you doing, Jesus? What are you saying? It it feels like there's a mixed signal being sent here. Which one is it? There is some tension, but here's one thing that we can say right off the top. We can be sure that Jesus doesn't want a church that goes into hiding. Jesus is not trying to tell us to be, just kind of bow your head and go away and just kind of wait for heaven. He doesn't want a church that goes into hiding. I I remember um, a few weeks ago, January was it? Was it Damar Hamlin, right, with the Buffalo Bills? Was it Monday night? 
just another routine play and this guy goes down and I watch it, he, he stands right back up and then he's gone and all of a sudden they're, they're shocking his chest on the field. Everyone remembers, if you saw that moment, you remember what happened in the room. And I, I, no one knew what to say and they threw it to the studio and everyone was kind of him and understandably, we're, they're trying to think on their feet and everyone's talking about thoughts and prayers and thoughts and prayers and that's great. And I just tweeted real quick, hey ESPN, no, none of us would be mad if you guys just actually wanted to pray. Like everyone's saying thought, that's great, but like honestly America, like even the, the, the staunchest atheist at this moment would not care if you prayed. ESPN, feel free if you want, like, on air, go ahead. I tweeted that and like 700,000 people reacted to it. It like went crazy because everyone was like, yes, someone do something. But in that comment thread, I had like hundreds of people respond and go, you're stupid, you have never read the Bible. Jesus said you can't pray around other people, you know? And they were just lighting me up and finally I had to put the phone away. It was like, just don't talk to the comment section because they're crazy, you know? Jesus said, in Matthew 6, you can't do that. Shut up. You say you're a pastor. If you read Acts chapter 2 through 4, believers are constantly going from the prayer room to the public square. Prayer room, public square. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit sweeps in. Suddenly the rushing of the mighty wind comes into the upper room and then they go out into the streets and they're praying and they're preaching and they're prophesying and each person hears the gospel in their own language. The faith is a public faith. Almost the entirety of Jesus's ministry was done in public and Jesus expects that we will do good works that will end up being noticed by the world so that they may praise your father in heaven and Jesus expects our faith to to move into practice. James his half-brother said faith without works is dead. To give and to fast and to pray and to engage and to carry the concerns of the world and to enter into the burden and the struggle of life on planet earth. Jesus does not want a bunch of Christians that just run away and hide. And he teaches us, and Pete will preach it through next week, Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray, our Father. Not, I'm going into the prayer room all by myself, my Father who is in heaven. Jesus, when he gives us the prayer, it's a corporate prayer. It's an us prayer. It's an our father kind of prayer. Wait, Jesus, I thought you wanted us to pray in secret. I I thought you wanted, he, he does want us to pray in secret. Wait, Jesus, I thought you wanted us to go out and let our light so shine before all people that they might see our, he does. It's a both and. The life of faith always pivots from private devotion to public demonstration. Private devotion, public demonstration. So the question we wanna ask tonight is what is Jesus cautioning us against with this text? What is Jesus' concern? What's he afraid of is is gonna hurt his people? What's he cautioning us? Jesus is cautioning us against using spiritual practices as public performances to make our names great using spiritual practices as public performances to make our names great. That's what Jesus is concerned about tonight. The tension lies in the motivation. Fasting and praying and giving, these are all good things until they're not. 
These are all good things until we start to manipulate them. These are all good things until we start trying to wear them as a badge. These are all good things until they're not, I'll say it this way, good spiritual practices become bad when we do them for the wrong reasons. Matthew 6, 1, be careful that you do not practice your religion in front of people. Why? What's the motivation? To draw their attention. So he's not saying don't do this in public. He's saying don't do it to draw their attention to you. Don't manipulate God for your own benefit. Don't try to build your own brand in the name of Jesus. Jesus is reacting to this when he says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. And I mean, can you, can you believe this? Like, hey everyone, God has really moved my heart and he has so tenderized me with his compassionate kindness. And I saw someone the other day who was struggling and I went home and I really sought the Lord and I fasted and prayed with sackcloth and ashes and I just beat my chest and God broke my heart for the poor. And so I'd like everyone to gather around because here's someone right now who's really on the brink. They come from the other side of the tracks. We brought them from the other side of the tracks to the right side of the tracks tonight so that I could give a great gift here in public so that you could see how wonderful a believer I am and Jesus says get out of my face using something that's beautiful to manipulate it for our own good for our own recognition Jesus says don't be like the hypocrites who announce it with trumpets in the synagogues and on the street corners to be honored by others truly I tell you if that's how you're gonna play the game, you just got your reward. How's that feel? Does that feel good? For the town square to kind of be thrown into that weird wobble of, oh gosh, this guy's got a real ego. You've received your reward if you're gonna play like that, says Jesus. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Oh, heavenly father, Jesus tells a story. A, a, a Pharisee who's in the temple one day and there's a sinner who's over in the corner and everyone knows this guy's reputation. And the sinner is, is aware enough to understand like there's this fear of the Lord thing. Like I, I've, been, I've been foolish, I've, I've thrown my life away. I'm just gonna kind of tuck away over here. And this Pharisee comes right up to the altar and goes, oh, Father in heaven, I thank you that I'm not like this brother over here. He actually prays that in church that day. And Jesus goes, which one, of you do you, which one of those do you think is closer to God? The one who in humility tucks away and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't, I just, God, I know I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Or the person who comes out here and says, my record is really great. I, Father, I thank you that I'm not like that scoundrel over there. And Jesus says there's this great reversal that happens. The first shall become last and the last shall become first. Do not manipulate something that is meant to be good to try to make your name great, says Jesus. This is what he's concerned about. I'm, I'm gonna give a gift, pastor, and... The only, the only thing I'd like to ensure is that you, you name the fellowship hall after my grandmother. The Ruth S. Wilson Fellowship Hall. And so I'll give you $250,000 and there's no strings attached. You've just got to name parts of the building after my family. 
and give us the pew in the front. Like, you'd laugh, but this stuff happens. <laughs> if you ever see a Daniel Grothy Fellowship Hall around here, you can be sure that I'm rolling over in my grave, okay? <laughs> Don't let it happen. Like, trying to, to build a brand in the name of Jesus always goes Wrong. Jesus says, just be simple, be quiet, do it because it's the right thing. Do it, he says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, be quick to forget. And Jesus, it's amazing to me, Matthew 25, he's talking about the end of all things, the great day of the Lord, when the sheep are separated from the goats and he says, there will be those who come to Jesus and say, master, and he says, I, I don't know you. They go, what are, you, what are you talking about you don't know me? I, did, I cast out demons in your name and I, and I did all this stuff. And, and Jesus says, for I was hungry and you did not feed me and I was thirsty and you did not give me something to drink and I was sick and you did not visit me and I was naked and you did not clothe me and I was in prison and you didn't come to, to say hi, you didn't write letters. Je, Jesus goes, I, I'm sorry, I, honestly, I don't know who you are. And then he says, there are these other people who will come to him and, and, and they'll fall down at their, on their knees and say, Lord, Lord, and he goes, oh, yes, enter into the joy of your salvation for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And they go, Lord, when did we do that? And he said, anytime you did that, you did that unto me. Jesus says that the righteous never know when they're doing it right. And the wicked are those who are sure that they're on the top of the list. They're a first round draft pick for the kingdom of God because aren't you just blessed to have me? And Jesus goes, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. To live with that quiet humility. During COVID, people realized what many people have realized for a long time that you could make a lot of money borrowing the name of Jesus to build a brand, to go fight against so-and-so, to go do, like, can we, just, can we just get simple with our devotion? Can we get simple with our righteousness? Can we get simple with our faith? You, you can't change the whole world. You can change the people right around you. You can bless the people that you go to school with. You can take care of the people in your neighborhood. If Jesus has sent a single dad or a single mom your way, Live your life to be a blessing to them. We're trying to fight against some enemy out there, some amorphous enemy. And Jesus says, there are people right around you who are hungry and thirsty and naked and sick and in prison. You can take care of them. And Jesus says, the ones who get really simple with taking care of the people around them are actually taking care of Jesus. And on the great day of the Lord, we'll go, Lord, when did we do that? He'll say, whenever you did that to anyone I sent your way, you did that as unto me. There's a lady here in the church. She and her husband are in their early 50s. And they've worked really hard and they're very excellent. And, and God has blessed the work of their hands. And they were able to retire early. And here she is in her early 50s. And she said she started this, this season of prayer came over her. Lord, what do you want me to do with my time? You've blessed us. You've made us a blessing. How do I spend my life? And he said to her, he, she just said, I felt like the Lord said to me, what's in your hand? What are you good at? And she said to the Lord, I'm really good at math. She's in her early 50s. Lord, I'm really good at math. And he said, well, why don't you start finding out who needs someone who's really good at math? And she found a school down in the southeastern part of our city that their scores were just tanked. 
And it was, a, it was a, a, a school that had very little resourcing. It's a school that the city had sort of moved on from. And here's this school, and these kids, many of them are going home to apartments by themselves at night because one or two parents are out working. And these kids are kind of doing their homework on their own and watching the television. They're just kind of left by themselves at the end of a long day of school. And so she goes down to this school, and she meets with the principal, and she says, I'm not sure what you need. And he said, we need math tutors. And she said, you got your girl. And every Tuesday she showed up at this school, at the end of school, 2.30 to like 4.30, for two hours every single Tuesday of the spring semester and every single Tuesday of the fall semester. And she's been down at this school for a couple years and they've seen the math scores rise. And they've seen children with confidence rise. And they've seen families rejoicing because someone who didn't have to do this said, Jesus said that I could find him there. Can you imagine being that 10-year-old? Wondering if anyone would fight for you. And this lady shows up. Probably right away you could tell, like, she probably doesn't live in this neighborhood. But every single week on Tuesdays from 2.30 to 4.30, she's playing games with them. She's bringing rewards for them. She's bringing treats. She's signing little, you know, add a boy, add a girl cards. Great job. You're crushing it. I'm so proud of your hard work. And these 10-year-olds are getting back up on their feet. And you know what she's not doing? Getting her cell phone out and going, oh, praise the Lord that I'm just so tenderhearted and I really worked hard in school all those years so I could be a math genius so that these poor kids could be graced with my presence every Tuesday from 2.30 to 4.30. Hashtag in the name of Jesus. You know what she's not saying when she goes home? Man, when am I going to get some budget from the school to help offset my costs for going down there? No one's said thank you to me. Uh, gosh, don't they know I'm just pouring myself? You know, she's not saying any of that garbage. What she's saying is, Jesus, you have been so kind to me, and I want to spend my life pouring it out for anyone you'll send my way. Jesus, I'll give you what, what's in my hand. Math is in my hand and a compassionate heart. And thanks for blessing us so we could retire early, so that we could put all of our chips on the table for those who don't have any chips to put on the table. She hasn't said a word. When I tell this story on Sunday, she'll be shocked that I even know it. This woman of God has poured herself out for years, and you know who knows? Jesus knows. And Jesus says you have two options. You can live your life trying to go, hey, everyone, do you know how great I am? Or you can go, Father, into your hands. I commit my skills, and I commit my time, and I commit my resources, and I commit my passion, and I commit my love. And anyone you want to send my way, I'll bleed for them. God, send them my way. Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear the cry of the poor. Give me a heart that's soft, that Jesus, whatever you want, I am all Yours And Jesus says, heaven takes notice of this. These people out here who feel like they have to share their own story and build their own brand, Jesus says, you got your reward. Friends, good things, spiritual practices, when we use them to make our names great, 
we make our names poor. The practice of holy secrecy is when we give God permission to quietly borrow our strength for the good of others. Holy secrecy. Today I want you to reimagine the way you think about secrets. We typically hear secrets and we have this negative connotation that races through our mind. Oh, secrets, so-and-so's running around. So-and-so's got that habitual sin. So-and-so did that bad thing. That's not just the way you can think about secrets. That's one way, but it's not the only way. I want you to start thinking about holy secrets. Sure, the scriptures tell us that the wicked conspire to evil. Psalm 36, verse four, the wicked man plans wickedness upon his bed. All throughout scripture, this is a theme, that the wicked, they can't go to sleep until they devise evil plans, and then they can go to sleep, and then they get up the next morning, and they go do it. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil. Micah 2, verse 1, woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. The wicked just want to do evil and they obsess about making evil happen. They can't go to bed until they've got their plan for the next day. But the righteous do the same thing. They conspire to do good. They dream about who they can bless. They ask the Lord, Lord, show me who they are. They, they obsess about doing the right thing. The invitation of Jesus is to spend your life secretly praying and secretly planning to serve everyone that God sends your way. Like our friend who's really good at math. No one called her. No school down in the southeastern corridor knew that she was good at math. They didn't even know that she was in our town. And they assumed that if she was in our town and if she had free time, she wouldn't want to waste her free time coming down here. This woman conspired to do good. <laughs> she worked really hard. She got out the phone book. You know what I mean. She Googled it, right? She started driving around town. She started interviewing principals. She started getting together her curriculum and, and planning to bless people's lives. The, the evil, the wicked conspire to do wickedness. The righteous conspire to live their righteousness out in secret. I'll just say this, a private life with God will always fuel a rich public life of service. Do you know who started hospitals? Christians. Do you know who started orphanages? Christians. Do you know who started healthcare systems? Christians. When the black plague hit the world, do you know what happened? People started abandoning their children in the streets because they were afraid that their silent children who are inarticulate and couldn't express their sickness were carrying the disease. And so they literally threw them in the streets. You know who went around the streets and picked up the kids? Christians. And they started bringing them to monasteries where monks and nuns were there. And they said, we'll serve the Lord. And we didn't expect to have babies here, but we'll raise them. That's fine. And they started orphanages in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the righteous conspire to do good. The righteous are the ones who refuse to take the credit for it. Because all the credit goes to the God who conspired to do good for us. It started with him 
And it ends with him, from him, and through him, and to him are all things, and to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen, Romans eleven thirty six. What does Jesus say he'll do for those who are committed? Well, actually, it's for both camps. It's for the one who's tucked back here in the corner going, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm not, willing to, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And it's also for the Pharisee who's up at the front of the stage going, God, I thank you that I'm not like that person. Jesus says in Luke chapter two that there will be an accounting one day that God will make things clear. Luke 2, 12, two and three, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. There's nothing that is concealed that will not be disclosed. There's nothing hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, says Jesus, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops for all to hear the bad and the good. The righteous who have conspired. How many people can I bless? How many people can I serve? How many people can I pray for? How many kids can I be a safe, sort of extended auntie in the faith to? Jesus says, there's nothing concealed that will not be made known and there's nothing that's hidden that won't be shouted from. Whatever you do in the dark room, whispering about whether it's evil or whether it's good, it will be made known in the end. It will be shouted from the rooftops for all to hear. So those of you tonight, here's the sense that I had. There are those of you tonight who are on the verge of quitting. You're tired, you're weary, it doesn't feel like it's working. It it feels like there's an iron heaven and your prayers are hitting up against it and they're falling straight back down and you've tried to give and you've tried to be faithful and you're, you're just at the moment where the enemy is telling you that it doesn't work, you should stop now. I want you to hear tonight that God sees what is done in secret and he will reward you. I want you to know tonight that heaven is the great accountant. God is the great accountant. His spreadsheet is airtight. There is nothing that he misses. There is not a moment where you wish good on someone that God isn't paying attention. There's not a meal that you buy for someone that God isn't paying attention. There's not a moment where you let someone stay in your house overnight who needs a place to stay where God isn't paying attention. There's not a secret prayer where you fall on your knees and you're crying out in intercession for someone's life to be made well. There's not one of those moments that God will ever miss. The God who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Paul says it like this to the Galatians at the end of his letter. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I wanna say to you tonight, keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going because God is watching. Can I show you a final picture? This is a picture from Minnesota and they've just had a terrible blizzard. And this is the dad eagle where you see his head but I've circled on my little picture there the mother eagle. Do you see that little yellow beak? That's the mother circled. The dad is up top, the mother is down below. And there's two eggs in that nest. Huge blizzard. 
negative 50 degrees in certain parts of this. And, and these eagles know that if they leave the nest, those, those eggs, those, those babies will die. It won't work. And so they've stayed there. They've been there for now over a week. And you know that's the dad, and you know he's moaning and groaning. You know, this is terrible. And the mom's just buried under the snow. Honey, we'll be fine. Shut up. You didn't do anything for this, babe. That's what she's saying. Put that back up just for one more second. This is what I think it looks like to not become weary in doing good. For in the end, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. This mom and dad are just hovering over these eggs, keeping them warm, nurturing. They're doing the hard work, buried under the snow. You know they're freezing. They can't go out and get food. They're, they're stuck there until this thing thaws out, until the storm blows over. Most likely until the babies are hatched, they're stuck there, the eaglets. But they know that it's worth doing. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in the end you will reap a harvest if you do not faint. Friends, You can trust the God who sees what is done in secret. Because as you press in, as you keep doing the right thing, as you keep serving, as you keep giving, as you keep praying, as you keep raising those little babies that God has given to you, whatever God has asked you to do, you keep tutoring those kids from 2.30 to 4.30 on Tuesdays. In the end, you will reap a harvest if you do not faint. The God who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Can you say amen tonight, church? Stand with me tonight as we prepare to come to the table of the Lord. This final thing I'm gonna put up on the screen, the invitation today is to build a beautiful secret life with God. And the promise is that it will bear much fruit. So I want you this week to be thinking about what holy secrets you can build. What kind of good conspiring you can do this week? Who can you sneak up on with the blessing of God? Use whatever's in your hand. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be talented. In it. Just use what's in your hand. Conspire this week to do good. And the God who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Friends, before we come to receive communion, I want us to quiet our hearts. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads and begin to think about the areas where you're tempted to quit. Some of you are married and you've been in a stretch and the enemy would say to you tonight that it's worth giving up on. Jesus says to you tonight, keep praying in secret. Keep pressing in in secret. Keep calling out to me in secret. Keep doing your best in secret. It's gonna turn. Some of you tonight have suffered in incalculable loss. You're, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and the enemy wants to come and get you with despair tonight. And in Jesus' name, we rebuke despair. And we pray, let's, let's intercede for those who are experiencing deep hurt and loss tonight. Lord, we pray for strength to come. 
We pray for courage to rise. We pray, Lord, that you would lift their arms up, just like Moses was out in the battlefield and he got weary and was about to fall. And Aaron and her came and lifted up his arms and he did not fall and they won the battle. Those of you who feel like you're about to fall, I say to you tonight, he will not let you. So Lord, minister your strength to our sisters and brothers in this room tonight. Lord, we pray that you'd make us a people of holy secrecy. We pray that you'd make us a people who are willing to play the long game. That you'd make us to be a people who trust that you're a God who doesn't miss anything. Do that for us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. I wanna invite our communion servers to come down There'll be stations, four in the front and two on the sides. Ushers will give you directions. Come on through the room, get your communion elements. As we worship, take them back to your seat, hold them there, and I'll come back in just a few minutes and we'll receive together. Let's worship the Lord.